Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, you guys? Sean Rossat, managing editor, FightfulMMA.com. UFC 234 tonight. Reminder, FightfulMMA.com is our home. That's where you can go to get all of your MMA news. But join us for our live coverage. Hundreds, if not thousands, of comments there for every live coverage that we do. Of course, we do pro wrestling and boxing as well. But we have nice ways for you to divide that. If you don't like MMA, you don't like boxing, we have sub-sites that... uh, can kind of direct you to any of those. Leave us a thumbs up here. Subscribe. I'm making a big push for our YouTube, if you all don't mind. Facebook, or not YouTube, uh, Facebook rather. Facebook.com slash Fightful Online. Let's go ahead and talk about tonight's show and what didn't happen. Robert Whitaker sustained a hernia yesterday and had to have an emergency surgery today. He was pulled from his uh, UFC middleweight championship title defense against Kelvin Gastelum, which resulted in Kelvin Gastelum literally borrowing Henry Cejudo's title belt and walking it around trying to heal everybody up. There was this weird promo backstage where he had like these shave papers on his his chin from what looked like he had a staph infection in the days prior. This is me speculating. Megan Olevy interviewed him and normally I love Megan Oliva. She's great. But she said, you're being a real class act through all this. And I'm like, what? He's literally cutting a pro wrestling heel promo. Not a good one. Like Matt Taven ran the gimmick in ring of honor and it was dead and tired then. And they just smashed his title tonight. You can't just come back two hours later and run the real world champion storyline. Ugh, hideous. Now, Here's where I got a big problem with what Gastelum was saying, man. Look back at his track record. I understand he's got to be frustrated. He's got to be upset. He showed up on weight. He flew literally halfway around the country to do it. But when you take a look at his history, pulled from UFC 212, missed weight, pulled from UFC 205, pulled out of 195, pulled out of the Court McGee fight, missed weight against Tyron Woodley. Missed weight against Misaki. The balls to do that in a half dozen fights and then complain that Robert Whitaker does it. The balls on that guy. 
Now, maybe that's part of the thing. If anything, this did increase his profile because, man, he's as vanilla as it gets. So at least you got that little bit of, of heat. He's trying to trying to keep his title shot where it is when he knows that a much hotter star in Israel Adesanya is on his trails or Anderson Silva. I mean, God, give them a reason to give Anderson Silva a title shot, and they will. Man. But I just didn't think – I thought it came across as corny, not as a heel thing. A good heel promo, I like, man. I can get behind. I don't know. Let's go ahead and talk about this main event. I'm going to show you all highlights of this fight, at least from what I can, without getting demonetized. Israel Adesanya defeated Anderson Silva in the UFC 234 main event. Let's talk about it. Let's see it. We see a little bit of of action. Uh, Israel Adesanya was sticking to low kicks, inside kicks, outside kicks. Silva didn't seem to pull the trigger early on. He was counterfighting. Now, when he did eventually turn it on towards the end of the round, it was mainly just this, him moving his hands around. He didn't do a whole lot. You could tell that that he got really, really frustrated. And toward at the end of that, that round, Adesanya started to taunt. This became a theme of the fight, where Silva and Adesanya would challenge each other to one another's games. You know, Silva loves putting his back up against the cage, throwing strikes there. Adesanya prefers to fight in the middle of the cage. They would throw some... This is more of an exhibition than it was a fight to me. And eventually, as you see, Israel Adesanya gets his hand raised in victory, unanimous decision. I thought Anderson Silva won the second round. I don't know how... A judge would give round two to Adesanya. He clearly won the first round. He was active. Silva, quite frankly, was not active at all. In round two, I'm sure that Adesanya ended up outlanding Silva by about two strikes, but we're talking like some very light leg kicks as opposed to, now is any Adesanya leg kick light? That Easy for me to say. I'm not in there taking them. But Anderson Silva would chase Adesanya down, landed a series of strikes in succession, uh, found a real rhythm and a pattern at times in this round, and I thought controlled the round. He landed more impactful blows and all that. All was for naught, because in round three, he didn't have any real sense of urgency. Instead, he wanted to put on more of a show, and maybe that's what he that's that's his MO at this stage. We have somebody in the chat saying it felt like DC Spider all over again. Yeah, but you got to remember. When Anderson Silva took that fight, you, you got to realize he's a middleweight facing Daniel Cormier, who is really a heavyweight. They're meeting at 205. Silva had had surgery, I think, weeks before that. I can't believe he was cleared and took the fight on a few days' notice. With all that that I said about Anderson Silva, this may be the best that he's looked in a long time. You could argue the Bisping fight before the stoppage that wasn't, the phantom stoppage. And uh, the lead-up to this was very good, too, where they got emotional. Israel Adesanya puts on a tough shell. We interview him a lot at Fightful.com. James Lynch does. Check him out here on the YouTube channel. But he got really emotional, realizing that this fight was happening. And remember back when Anderson Silva was was the king on top of everything and 
people would say, Anderson, who do you want to fight? And he said, me, I want to fight my clone. This is as close as he's going to get, my guys. And uh, Anderson Silva is, I think he's fine. I think he's good to still fight and should still fight. I think it's the, the right move. Had somebody saying Anderson Silva was barely ranked going in tonight. Anderson Silva wasn't in the rankings for the last two years because of the USADA suspension that that shouldn't have even happened. Because yeah, it's it's unfair to say he wasn't ranked coming into this fight or barely was because he had a lot of time taken from him from a wrong USADA situation. I would love to see Anderson Silva fight somebody like. <sighs> Not in the top five, not in the top ten. How about a David Branch? How about a Uriah Hall if he can miss weight? The Uriah Hall fight could be really frustrating, but let's go ahead and do that one. They were supposed to fight anyway. As for Israel Adesanya, one of two options. If Robert Whitaker is ready, then maybe Adesanya can wait. If Robert Whitaker isn't ready, him and Gastelum for the interim title. That's the right move. Saw a lot of people saying, what about Paulo Costa? No, this was a top contender fight regardless. So if Israel Israel's Adesanya's next fight should be for a title. He had a very special year, did Israel Adesanya. He's now 16-0, and 0, I believe. Yeah, 16-0. and 0. This was 365 days. He's 5-0. and oh. And the Brunson and Silva fights, are those as high level as they could be? No. Could he use another top five or a top five win? Yeah, he sure could. I wouldn't be opposed to that. But is Paulo Costa that fight if he were to beat Romero? No. And Costa's already fighting Romero. Rockhold's leaving the division. Souza? Souza's 4-3 and three in his last seven. Do you really want to sacrifice Adesanya for that? Maybe Weidman. Maybe, but I don't know. I'm tired of trying to shoehorn Weidman and Romero and Souza into title fights. They've had their opportunities. It's Israel Adesanya's opportunity. It's Kelvin Gastelum's opportunity. This was a fun fight. I didn't think this was an amazing fight by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not going to pretend like this was some some life-altering bout in which you couldn't miss. From a historical perspective... You should watch it. I do a feature for major UFC events called Watch, Don't Watch, and I tell you my recommendations on whether or not you should watch the fight. And I said, from a historical perspective, you should, because it is an important fight. And they were two guys who put on a show, but it was more of an exhibition. I didn't get any real feeling that either one was desperate to finish the other. Anderson Silva had his hands down an awful lot, and boy, he ate some Pretty good punches. I was shocked by that. I didn't think that Anderson... I think once Anderson Silva felt the power of Adesanya and either realized that he wasn't going to be put away or maybe Adesanya wasn't giving him everything, I guess I guess he was fine with that. <clears throat> a fun fight. A fun exhibition is what this was. He had the co-main event, Lando Venata just dominating some jobber, Marcos Rosa. By the end of this fight, Marcos Rosa is 6-5. and five. What do you want me to break down in this? This fight shouldn't have even been booked. 
Six and four, UFC, uh uh-uh. Chris Curtis can't get a fight. Bum. Bum. Venata drags him down to the ground, wins with a double wrist lock. Do not watch this fight as a waste of your time. Good for Lando Venata. He's making use of that new contract, which a little bit surprising that he he got offered to him instead of maybe a one-fight extension. But, hey, he needed a win here. He was winless in his last four fights. He really did need it. Let's talk about fight of the night. Ricky Simone. He didn't really dominate Ronnie Yaya, but the scorecard said so. Ronnie Yaya was throwing as hard as he could and as often as he could to try to force Simone into a takedown attempt, but I don't know if you're Ricky Simone how hard you got to get hit to try for a takedown on Ronnie Yaya. Like, I don't know that Ricky Simone... I'm sure Ricky Simone's been hit a lot harder, and you know that that's what Ronnie Yaya is trying to do. So you just risk it on the feet, and that's what... Ricky Simone did, who also risks it every time he goes to the barber. That haircut, my God. Now I know somebody will say, well, you got long hair, you bad bud. What the hell is on this man's head? Wow. He looks like he sleeps in a stable at night. Yaya cracked Simone, but uh, Simone dropped him in return. He wisely would not go to the ground with Ronnie. Dropped Yaya again. Uh, you could tell that Simone really only planned to guard that takedown where where Yaya throws the the head on the outside and then tries to drag you down, and that's all he needed. That's all he needed in this, and it met with great success. Now there was uh, Yaya drilled him with a couple of punches towards the end of the round. Simone returns and drops Yaya again with what Cruz called a bump or a crash. It was like a shoulder block where you get in tight and you clash shoulders. Uh, ben Henderson is one of the best all time at avoiding that. Anytime you'd see him wade in and his range wouldn't be right, like Ben Henderson would come in and his forearms would be behind the person's head. He would immediately grab double underhooks or body lock and then push off. It was, it was really, really good. Uh, good stuff from him. I can't get behind a 30-25 scorecard, but I did have Ricky Simone winning. This should have been fight of the night. I, I don't know who got it. I've got my eyes on the Fightful MMA Twitter feed as Jeremy Lambert will be covering the proceedings from tonight, but or tonight's post-fight press conference. But this should this should be the extra 50,000, not Adesanya Silva. These two guys threw down. And they are more than deserving of an extra 50000 <clears throat> Ricky Simone. What's next for Ricky Simone? Mm. Well, I think he'll get a... I think he's got a top 15 fight coming his way. 14-1. and one, He's 3-0 and oh in the UFC. He's had a very, very good year. Really came out of nowhere. Because he's one of those guys that... Okay, so he had the Dana White's Contender Series fight, but he didn't have like an impressive performance. It was a split decision win. He spent some time in LFA, won both times there, and then has had a great year. He finished off his uh, – he was headlining in LFA after the Contender Series thing. Won both of those fights, but he won a fight last March, then got pulled into the UFC, beat Dvavishvili in that real controversial fight back in April, beat Montel Jackson – Beat Ronnie Yaya. So maybe maybe a fringe top 15 opponent. 
Because Ronnie Yaya is a good one. That's a, that's a hell of an opponent. Uh, I, I think it would be fair to see him on another main card as well. And he, he beat a top 15 guy here, so why not a Peter Yan, a Thomas Almeida, an Alejandro Perez, a Cody Stamen? Like, why not? They're top 15 guys at this stage. We don't see a wealth of these names from flyweight flowing into bantamweight. And apparently they're cutting some of these flyweights like Dustin Ortiz anyway. One more down the card. Montana De La Rosa, number 14, jobbed out Nadi Kassem. Man, shocker, Nadi Kassem smokes and tore tendons in her hand by punching a damn car. So Kassem is... 5-0 and as a pro. I think she was 1-0 and as an amateur. Her first five opponents between those two, zero wins. Zero wins. Man. It showed here. Kasem got rushed and taken down. She had no answer for De La Rosa. Round two sees more of the same. Kasem is tripped to the ground. The extent of her success are some strikes from the guard. She's really getting an ass-whipping. I love me some strikes from a triangle mount. I love it. One of my teammates, Brian McDowell, had a real fun fight, amateur fight against Sean Lloyd, finished it like that. One of my favorites ever. I love strikes from the the a triangle mount. You can do anything from there. You can give the person a noogie if you want. You can run the old Kenny Omega PWG chainsaw spot on them if you want to. Rake your forearm across their face. You can do anything you want from that spot. Now, I don't know how Kasem survived this. This was the most promising thing I saw out of Nadia Kasem in this fight, was that she was able to withstand so much from this, this triangle mount. Because once when you are in a triangle on the mount, the, the triangle armbar is right there, too. Also, the, the modified one, too, where... You like you you lace the arm around the opponent's arm, but it opens up to everything. And Montana De La Rosa had such trouble putting away Kassem that she was like, "Shit, let me sit out and do this triangle from my back, even or from my side." Now Kassem was throwing her legs up. I don't. <clears throat> that's a real sign of inexperience. You're 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 a lot better off putting your feet next to your ass and trying to bridge and roll anything creating space that way. I don't know about that throwing the legs up gimmick that she was doing. That that almost would have put her in the hold even worse. Check out the second round of this one if if you missed it. It's fair. <clears throat> Jim Crute embarrassed Sam Alvey. Oh, man. Feels like we've seen this Sam Alvey entrance every two months because we do. He averages over the last decade 4.6 fights per year. Over the last year, whether he won or lost tonight, he cleared $300,000. Now, should it be more than that? you damn right it should be. The amount that Alvy fights, how he takes fights on short notice, Alvy should have cleared $500,000, $750,000. That's what the pay should be for a guy like that. But $300,000, based on scale, pretty good. There's a real awkward finish to this crew. Just one. Cracked Alvy. Alvy fell face face down, and Crute walks away. But Mark Goddard let it go. Now, keep in mind, Sam Alvy has been critical of Mark Goddard in the past and in the future about <clears throat> not letting him go long enough. 
So this fight probably should have been stopped here. Now, I know they say, oh, you, you never stop the fight yourself, and you don't. You don't. But uh, <laughs> the fact that Goddard let this go, I called it the green mushroom one-up. He gave Sam Alvey the old Super Mario green mushroom one-up. He should have been dead. That should have been it. He should have been hitting the bricks. But he got another shot. And what happened? Jim Crute beat that ass. Alvy was able to, to like gain some momentum off a scramble, but Crute swept him, turtled him up, and finished him. Boy, if there's if there's if I love a triangle mount offense, I love a good turtle up offense a little bit more. Alvy's pissy. He is embarrassing himself. Crute did some of the embarrassing for him. But man, I love Alvy's demeanor in general, but this was completely unprofessional. Completely unprofessional. This was borderline Jason High behavior. Arguably a little bit more obnoxious than Jason High, and Jason High never got back in the UFC. Like, Alvy was very lucky to, to gain that takedown, but he was swept immediately. Goddard did the right thing stopping that fight when he did, but he should have stopped it earlier. Man, uh I hope Alvy takes a look at this tape and says, man, you know what? I was wrong. Mark Goddard was right, at least in, in the scope of his argument. Mark Goddard would have been right to f- stop the fight when, when the first face-down ass-up happened. When... Jim Crute turned Sam Alvey into a ludicrous lyric. You stop the fight. It's over. But considering that Alvey complained about how Goddard stopped his fights too early, Goddard says, all right, homeboy, here you go. Here's your one opportunity. Do not miss your chance to blow. He did. Jim Crute wins. Got a good prospect at light and heavyweight. He's going to take some time. Watch this fight. This was a good one. <clears throat> Devontae Smith committed justifiable homicide on Dong Hyun Ma. My God. Smith was in and out really well, landed a few calf kicks. And when Ma goes into brawl, uh, keep in mind, Ma is the former Dong Hyun Kim, who uh, is not the Dong Hyun Kim that you all know of. But that's probably one of the reasons he changed his name. Smith turned up the heat. He's another contender series product. He's now 2 and 0 in the UFC and finishes all of his fights. He was 7 and 2 as an amateur too. So, um don't let his record deceive you. I think it always is important to look at how long someone fought as an amateur and how many fights they had. But this UFC's got to be happy. Another contender uh Series product is very good. Um, Joseph Bosa says, little tidbit, Smith was supposed to fight Francisco Trinaldo at UFC 233 before the Jones crap happened. He wants that fight back. Yes, he did call out Trinaldo after the fight. Now, Smith opens up with a combo, finds openings to the body, to the head. When Ma dropped down, Smith like raises him back up to punch him again. That was beautiful. Followed to the mat with some brutal and accurate attacks. In real time, they were so devastating and so fast and so violent that they looked like they hit the back of the head. 
Upon further review, they did not, man. They did not. Devontae Smith just just threw down and, and had some accurate strikes. He's a very charismatic guy. And when you look at how he broke down his fight, Dominic Cruz said it best. He goes, I don't think I can break it down any better than Devontae Smith did. And Dominic Cruz, for all the criticism I'll give him about maybe being a little light-voiced in, in that role, he can break down a damn fight. And Devontae Smith, after all the adrenaline, after a, a, a big fight for him on ESPN, <laughs> after a big finish, you know, his blood's pumping. He breaks down that fight expertly. He knew everything that he did in that cage. This guy has a future in broadcasting as well. Uh, Devontae Smith is going to be special. Whether If it's not in the cage, it's going to be behind the mic. Mark my words. The first time I heard Daniel Cormier on a call in that Jones-OSP fight, I was like, man, Daniel Cormier is going to be special on the mic. I think Devontae Smith will be too. I think you're looking at a at a big-time future broadcaster in Devontae Smith uh, when all is said and done, whether it's during his career or after his career. Very impressive in the cage. Very impressive on the microphone. He did the right thing and called out Francisco Trinaldo because I, I don't know if you guys are hip to Francisco Trinaldo. I mean, he's no secret or anything in the UFC. He's been around quite a while, but you know, we get a lot of crossover pro wrestling uh, viewers, and a lot of people don't look at Francisco Trinaldo and say, "Oh, that that's a good fight." But it is a good fight. He's two and or he's yeah, I think two and two in his last four. But before that, he wrote a seven fight winning streak. So he's Nine and two in his last 11. He's beaten guys like Evan Dunham and Jim Miller and Paul Felder and Yancey Medeiros. And he's got some really good wins. He's been in the UFC for six and a half years. I think it's the right fight for Devontae Smith. And a 40 year old guy, I think he wins. Watch that fight. Watch the last 90 seconds of Shane Young and Austin Arnett. Young goes to the body an awful lot more than Arnett is willing to. Arnett lands the occasional uh, big shot, but Young is able to walk him down. Uh, Those big shots are heavy, though, from Arnett. Uh, Arnett gets dropped at the end of the third round. The last minute in particular ruled. I love that. Young gets the win, gives a passionate post-fight speech about suicide. This The post-fight was worth watching as well. Manny for Prez says it's a good measuring stick for Smith to see where he fits in the division with the Francisco Trinaldo fight. Yeah, I completely agree. That That's a good one, especially for someone who is on such an ascent so quick. Well, guys, my I got five on it picks were 0-3. Kai Kara France edged out uh, Paiva. Now, Paiva was on my I got five on it picks. I expected France to win, but the line on Paiva was too good to not throw in there. And a lot of people were talking about Kai Kara France, including Cejudo as a future contender, and I did not see it. He looked to me very much like the guy that got beat on Tough and got beat in Ryzen. Paiva does very well in the early going. Got top control and a takedown at the end of round two. Paiva locked in a guillotine, but the round was over. If that round was about 15, 20 seconds longer, probably talking about a different result instead of a split decision loss to Kai Kara France. France would throw some combos, and it looked like he recognized Paiva dropping that right hand. However, Paiva would eat one punch, throw a big combo right back at him. 
Uh, France is now 2-0 in the UFC. This is a decent fight, an okay fight. You're going to probably see Kai Kara France probably in the top 10 of the division, but it's so far removed from mattering since flyweight is practically dead. This fight doesn't matter. What I think the UFC will do, and I think it's right up there with James Lynch's prediction, I think they're going to have them fight each other out. I think we continue to see the flyweight title defended. Like We'll see Cejudo and Benavidez. All right, cool. And then whoever emerges as the next contender, there you go. And then the next one. And then there just aren't flyweights left. Then that flyweight champion will get a crack at the bantamweight title. That's what I think, and they'll kill off the flyweight division. I say to Wolf says, I thought Piva edged it out. I did too, and not just because I had him in my I got five on it picks. Kyung Ho Kong <laughs> maybe retires Ishihara. This is a weird fight to put here geographically, but here we are. This rules. Chucking and ducking. Maybe this second best like fight as far well, maybe not. Not a ton of technique here, but it was fun. There's a hilarious back fist that lands. <laughs> Kang chokes out Ishihara and quite frankly almost kills him. Because the ref takes forever to break it up. He had to do the old pro wrestling lift the arm. And that was a little late. <laughs> Kang wants a top 10 opponent. And all I want is a down payment on my house. Shout out, Jimmy Van. Jalen Turner exposed Kalen Potter. Potter was a late replacement. He just got abused. Openings everywhere. Turner goes right after them. Uh, Potter was just not on the level. Turner has had a really inconsistent career, but now he has the unique distinction of having wins in Bellator Contender Series and the UFC. Uh, the, the the late replacement nature of Potter really showed. It was just punches to the head, body kicks, and, and Turner puts Potter out. This is brutal. Turner says that he wants to fight again soon because he has a kid. Quick violence. Watch this fight. Watch that Kyung Ho Kong uh, Ishihara fight. Main fight, uh, or the main main event. Yeah, right. The opening fight of the night. Jonathan Martinez defeated Waliji Buren. Cruz and Anik, I thought, really needed a third person in the booth. I thought Cruz called every fight like Ian Riccoboni calls big Ring of Honor matches like it was a, a, uh, a golf tournament. Now, I know some of you are new here, but... Hey, just type in Sean Ross Sap Von Flu. I'm sure a clip will come up. Either we made it or somebody else did. You know what kind of white belt horse shit you got to be on to even almost get caught in a Von Flu choke? Well, for those of you who haven't been here or don't know or don't care to know, you're going to learn. Now, there were some real bad blue blue belt level jujitsu going on here, but it was almost white level. Buren almost armbars Martinez in the third. The latter gets out. Martinez poured on strikes towards the end of the round. Made a really good last impression. Do not watch this. Really low-level UFC fight. The fact that an almost Von Flew choke got put on. And I feel the need to explain this every time because if there are UFC fighters who don't know, I'm sure there are viewers who don't know. The only way you can get caught in a Von Flew choke is if you don't let go of a guillotine too long. So you're holding onto a guillotine. Someone takes you down or moves into side on you. You let go. Well, why do you let go? Because that person can then throw their arm 
their forearm underneath your head. And because you have your own carotid artery cut off as you're trying to apply a, rena- or a, a choke, you apply that pressure downward. All you got to do is let go. However, there are some people like OSP who were able to land a couple and <laughs> were able to perfect it. Like OSP, if you if you leave your guillotine choke on just a fraction of a second too long on OSP, he has drilled that enough and practiced that enough to where you're done. You are Abraham Lincoln, John Wilkes Booth, and John Wilkes Booth is coming up there with a hammer to break your butt. That's it. Should have listened to the girl, John. Calm down. Just calm down. Let go of the damn... Let go of the damn uh, guillotine. You, you know how long it takes you to figure that out in a grappling class? Usually a couple weeks max. Because everybody knows how to throw on a front choke. Everybody knows how to throw on a guillotine. And usually, usually everybody holds on to it too long. They get Von Flued. Your coach comes by and says, don't do that again. That's why. Or the person you're rolling with. And then you never do it again. The first time I got caught in a Von Flew choke was the last time I got caught in a Von Flew choke. Mother of God. Dana White's up at the uh, press conference, says that Whitaker is out of surgery. His colon and intestines popped out. They think that he had it for a while. Said if he took a shot to the stomach, he could have died. Thinks it'll be a four to six week recovery for Rob being sidelined, but was also told, by someone that that's crazy. So the pay-per-view numbers were good despite losing the main event. And we'll see how it happens. A reminder, over at Fightful MMA, we have your live tweets on there. Uh, go over, hit us with a follow. Tuesday, 2 p.m. Eastern, we're going to talk about this show at length with Showdown Joe Ferraro, once nominated for Journalist of the Year by Fighters Only Magazine, and James Lynch, who will be nominated several times in the future. There aren't many people who are going to do the types of things in MMA that James Lynch does. So uh, show him some love. Follow me at Sean Ross Sapp. We're going to talk about Velasquez versus Nganu this week. Uh, Velasquez's last fight was the week that Fightful launched. Here's a fun fact for you. Technically, Brock Lesnar has fought more recently than Cain Velasquez. Unbelievable. Leave me a thumbs up, guys. Subscribe. I want to thank you all so much for joining me. We are on podcast platforms everywhere. We're out.